Well, good morning to everybody, whether you're joining us online or you're joining us here in person. It is awesome to be with you guys today. If we had a chance to meet yet, my name is Trent, and I have the unbelievable privilege of being a lead pastor here at MCC. Hey, can we just uh, thank the band for leading us in worship, man? It's so good to be able to be able to enjoy that. For those of you who are online, get some uh, hearts and thumbs ups and let those things fly online as you're doing that. It's just so awesome to be able to actually uh, sing and worship, and I love the truths that they continue to pour into our lives week in, week out. Hey, if you're here, maybe today is your very first time, whether maybe you're here today and your first time in person or, or you're watching this online and you've never uh, really connected or plugged into anything that Madonna Christian Church has done online before, first of all, welcome in. We're so glad that you are here. If you're online, we'd love for you to fill out one of our online connect cards. It's a link right there. It's going to be in the comments. Uh, you can click on that. Love to get connected. I'll be reaching out to you today. If you are here in person, I'm going to be back there in the back by that little red connect table. I'm going to have a blue mask on, though, looking like I'm going to go rob a bank. So uh, just know that's me back there. And uh, today, uh, one of the things that we do at MCC is we try to keep the kids involved. Again, uh, it's kind of hard to socially distance kids, and so we haven't about opened back up our children's ministry area. So one of the things we do to kind of keep them, you know, from going crazy or driving us crazy is we like to have some fun. And so one of the things that we do is we play this game where I say three random things to throughout the course of my message, and those are three things that they got to write down and they can enter in to win some ice cream. All right, who loves ice cream? Okay, you, I don't feel like you love ice cream. Uh, we all love ice cream, so you scream for ice cream. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so today, what we're going to be doing, three words, are, are three cartoons or TV shows. Okay, all right. Kids, you good? All right, sounds good. And if you're playing around online, you can compete in that. If you're a grown-up, you cannot, okay? Um, you can help a kid, though. Help a kid, they'll let you in on some ice cream. So today we're diving into this series uh, called Parent Guilt, and uh, one of the things I know is this is something that a lot of us feel. So if you're watching this online, man, this is something where you share this post out, help, help a parent out by sharing this, because parenting is kind of like uh, that Mike Tyson quote. Uh, everybody remember Mike Tyson? Yes. <laughs> uh, famous quotes all the time from Mike, Mike Tyson, but, but one of them in particular reminds me of parenting, and it's this quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I think that's the most applicable quote that Mike Tyson ever had into parenting because that's kind of our reality. We all have this great plan of how we're going to be the parent that, that we think we should be until you have that kid and they punch you in the mouth. Sometimes, literally, I got, you know, a triceratops busted my lip one time. Um, whether it's a triceratops or a fist or, or it's a gut punch from our kids, man, it's times for us, whether or not we're biological parents, whether or not we're grandparents, for all of us, we can feel some burn from the mistakes that we make, and that maybe our parents have made to us. And so that's why we're going to dive into this. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it this week. All right? Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you've brought us together. Jesus, I feel like there are people here today who showed up because they genuinely want to do better. They want things to be different. And Jesus, we, we humbly come before you and say that there is no practical tactics. There is no magic bullet. There is nothing, God, that will help us be who we need to be for those around us, whether it's kids, family, wife, husband, anything other than your love and your grace living and active through us. And so I pray today we have an encounter with that, something real, something honest, something that's bigger than a 10 tips to better marriage, 10 tips to better kids. Jesus, we want you. You are miraculous. You change stories. You change family trees. You do those things. So we ask you to do those, to start those movements, to create those moments here in this moment. In your name, amen. So as most of you know, 
parenting in this COVID season has been a whole different ballgame for many of us. Our juggling, okay, I'm having to stay at home, but I'm also having that creature that I used to drop off at school also in my home. And I have to juggle being a, you know, a, a person who's going to the workplace online via Zoom while also having a kid on Zoom and another kid Zooming around begging for goldfish. And there's all these things that make that incredibly difficult. And so the stress in this season has been huge. And that's just the, the school and the you know, behavior side of things. You t- put on top of that that there's this like life-threatening disease that's in the mix. And so this is an incredibly stressful time to be a parent, and, and that's why for us as a church, we wanted to dive into this. Now, I would just say, if you're here and you're like, man, I guess I'm going to have to find somewhere new. Like, I don't have kids. I'm going to find somewhere new to, to go and experience church for the next four weeks because all of this is not applicable to me. First of all, I would say this. One, you do have parents though, right? Like, you, you, unless you're a clone sent here from a different planet, like, you have parents. And what I know, because I'm like you, friend, is, man, I've experienced some wounds in my life from my parents and understanding how some of those things happen I actually think can actually bring healing and so I would say don't check out lean in here because God wants to do something in and through this another reason I would say regardless of whether or not you have parents or your grandparent or whatever I would say lean in and don't check out is because over and over again we see in the New Testament this call placed on people's lives if they're going to say I am a believer in Christ You're not just a Christian. You don't just vote a certain way. You don't just do a certain thing on Sunday. What you're actually called to do is this really important critical thing that sometimes we just kind of don't talk about a lot, but it's called making disciples. That is what you're called to do. That's your A1 priority. If you're a follower of Christ, it's to make disciples. Now in the New Testament, over and over again, disciple making is referenced to as being a spiritual parent to someone else. Paul is talking to this guy who he was discipling, Timothy. And he said, Timothy is my true son in the faith. He he said the very same thing to Titus. He says, these are my true sons in the faith. And so for you, regardless if you have kids or you don't have kids, whether or not you're even a a teenager or you're someone who is getting ready to go on and be with Jesus because you're about 97 years old, here's the deal. You're still called to make disciples. And I believe there are things that we're going to dive into as we talk about this topic of parent guilt and how we can replace it with the grace of God that will be effective and applicable to your life. There's one of the verses that I love that I want to lead into our discussion today on. It's right out of the book of Deuteronomy. God is speaking to his people, and this is what he says about how they don't forget what he has done and who he is. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 9. He says this. This is, this is foundational for us as parents. This verse is actually the, the verse that our children's ministry here at MCC is founded off of. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And he turns the corner. He starts addressing the family. He says, These commands... Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk around the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And see, we read a verse like this and we go, yeah, I've kind of got that. But here's what has been one of the things during this COVID season that has been hurting my heart as your pastor. 
one of the ways I look at this church is this is like this big, giant, extended family of mine. And one of the things I, I, that I think we have missed in this season is, is loving being able to see so many kids filling up this place and feeling like, man, there's so much life. Kids bring us that vitality. They drive us crazy sometimes, but they bring us that vitality. But one of the things that we've experienced in this is, man, you can watch a sermon online. You, you can engage in worship online. But I'll just be real, as a parent with younger kids, the ability for them to just connect with what we send out as a church from our children's ministry, I will be the first person to admit to you that is not enough to disciple your children into a loving relationship with Jesus. Because here's the deal. To your kids, that video that you show that is is us trying our best to be able to communicate the gospel and everything else to them on their level, that video on their level, though, just became another version of Paw Patrol. It just became bubble guppies. It's just a show. And so parents, your kids need more than a show. They need someone to disciple them. And without the ability for them to have, you know, some of what was happening in, in the church, in those buildings, you know, they had, in those rooms that they were in, they had someone who was there pouring into them, and, and they were partnering together with you. And so parents, man, if you're listening to me, right off the bat, I, I got to tell you, this is the season where we have to step our game up. This verse is, makes it really clear. You've always been the primary disciple of your child. The church has never been the place where, like, if your kid is going to know Jesus, it's, it's all on the church. No, it's on us as the parents. And my commitment to you as a lead pastor at MCC is we're going to do everything we can uh, to equip you. We're already working on um, getting tools in your hands, but then teaching you how to use them. Because, listen, for a long time when I was a pastor of teenagers, I thought that parents just didn't want to be good parents. And then I started working with adults. And one of the things that I realized is so many of these adults, I, and primarily I would be talking with, with fathers, and it wasn't that they didn't want to be a good dad. is that they didn't have anybody to show them how. And they didn't know what to do. And because they didn't know what to do, they didn't want to mess up. And because they didn't want to mess up, they didn't do anything. And I don't want that to be us. And so we want to do everything we can to partner with you as families. And I'm praying that this shift takes place. This shift happens in our church, in our communities, whether it's here at McDonough or wherever it is that you happen to be watching this. This shift happens from fear-based parenting into faith-based parenting. I love one of the most courageous verses on parenting that I've ever found is in uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 127, 4 and 5. I love this. It should get you fired up, makes you want to like charge the gates. It's a good one. 127, 4 through 5. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from Him. Now I know some days it doesn't feel like that. They are a reward though. This is your gold star. Now I love this next part. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. See, what we tend to fall into in this season is, man, and, and maybe this is just you know, my millennial parenting style, and maybe it's you know, for you boomers and other people, it's a little bit different, but I think we have found ourselves in this place in regards to parenting, and whether that's grandparenting, whether that's our own kids, or, or, or spiritual parenting, where our job is just to insulate and protect people from all the bad in the world. But I believe that this verse is true, and I don't believe that God is calling us just to insulate and protect. Well, oh, well, they can't go. they got to be homeschooled, and they can't watch those shows, and they can't do it. Yes, we have to set parameters on our kids. But if your goal in parenting is to insulate 
your child, I think you've missed the mark. I, I would rather a shift from trying to insulate our children to shifting to a place where we're saying, I am doing my best to sharpen my child so that they will be one who can penetrate this darkness. I'm not trying to raise someone who's going to be a victim. I'm raising someone who's going to be a hero. And that's, that's a shift that I believe is really hard to make. It, it's, it's fun for me to rah-rah and stand on a stage and talk about that. But it's harder when I'm confronted with the realities of my own failures as a parent. You know, when you, when you just blow it. And we've all had those moments as parents. And, and with those moments and the reality that, man, it's, it's hard for us sometimes to, to measure up and we feel like we're constantly falling short. There's this guilt that sets in. And that guilt keeps us from being, I believe, who God has actually caused us and called us to be. And that shows up in all sorts of different ways. Guilt, and that's what we're going to dive into a little bit in this series, guilt shows up in the form of time. And we're just guilty because we don't feel like we spend enough time with our kids. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. Guilt shows up in the form of comparison. We see all the things that people are doing with their kids, and they went on an adventure today. And my kids went on an adventure with seven episodes of Spongebob, and that was their adventure today. And we feel feel guilt around those things. In the midst of all that guilt... I want to explain to you what guilt really is. First and foremost, I want you to know this. Guilt is good. Now, let me explain. The fact that you feel guilt indicates the reality that your prefrontal cortex of your brain is actually doing what God created it to do. There's a place for people who don't feel guilt, and it's called prison and the psychiatric ward. Because those are the people who are not just a threat to their children, they're a threat to our society as a whole because they don't feel guilt. So the fact that you do feel guilt was placed there by God. So don't go, oh, this guilt is from the devil. No, it's, it's, it's just a reality. Now, guilt, it communicates this. Guilt communicates, and I, and I believe it's not just our brain, it's also the Holy Spirit of God, communicates, I did something bad. That's what guilt says. Guilt says, I did something bad. Now, there's a difference in feeling like I did something bad because that's an indication of my reality and what actions happen. I think more often than not, most of us who would, who would say to our friends or to say to somebody at the car rider line or in a text message to a confidant friend or to you know, a grandparent as we're asking for advice because we're trying to figure this thing out, what most of us would label as parent guilt is actually parent shame. Because what we're actually saying is not, I just did something bad. What the voice in our head whispers is you are something bad. You are a, a bad father. You are that mom who loses her temper. You are a deadbeat. You did abandon them. You are a liar. And see, where guilt says you did something bad, shame comes in and says you, in fact, are something bad. And it's the way the enemy doesn't just attack our actions. See, God is a loving father and he wants to correct our actions. The, the enemy, Satan, he, he is an accuser and he wants to attack our identity in the father. And so he says, no, 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 no. You're not just someone who does something bad. You are something bad. See, our world works and operates with patterns. And Satan has a pattern in regards to the mistakes that we make as parents, whether that's spiritual parenting, grandparenting, or parenting our actual children in our homes. And his pattern goes like this. Guilt, you did something bad. You blew up. You got home late, and you didn't kiss the kids, you didn't pay me any attention. You did something bad. 
He likes to take that guilt to shame. You are something bad. You are lazy. You are good for nothing. They'd be better off without you. From there, that shame creates distance. Where you go, yeah, I, I work so much, and I don't really know what they're into anymore, and I don't really feel like I have the time to learn what they're into, and so the relationship gets worse. Some of you have been on the receiving end of this. I'm trying to give you the backstory of what happened in mom or dad's life that led to some of the things that you felt. And then once enough distance is created, then you get into this thing called apathy. And that's the opposite of love. It's the opposite of what a parent should be. Apathy says, at this point, I don't care. That's the enemy's pattern for the mistakes that we have as parents. But God has a different pattern. And God's pattern goes like this. You messed up. You feel guilt because my Holy Spirit loves you and wants to correct you and wants to work through you for your betterment and for the betterment of your child. That's how this should operate. You should feel guilty, and then we should do a few things. We should repent, ask forgiveness, for, go to a kid. This is a hard thing to do, parents, right? To go to a child, get down on a knee, on their level. Hey, uh, daddy sinned, and I need you to forgive me. And when that happens, what's coming in is you are a recipient of God's grace. And with his grace, that grace now permeates through that relationship. And instead of distance happening because of shame, there's actually closeness and intimacy that happens because you both are experiencing God's grace. You're experiencing it as the one who maybe made the mistake, both from God and from a kid. And that's awesome. And so if we're going to be people who begin to live out of what it means to walk in grace, I need us to understand this reality. There is nothing, this is a bold statement, but there is nothing that will benefit you more greatly, that will cause you to be more effective, more efficient, more loving, caring, and a future-oriented as a parent than you understanding the grace that is available to you as a parent. Now, I know some of you hear that, and you go, bro, I don't need theology, I need strategy. These kids are eating me alive. And I hear you, man. I hear you, ma'am. But I think sometimes we have a hole in our understanding of God's grace. And I think that hole in understanding of God's grace keeps us from missing, it helps us miss out on what God's grace gives us in the moments. Because a lot of times we think about grace like this. Now let me explain, let me get a little theological on you and let me explain grace. Because grace, in essence, let me again give you the kindergarten definition here. Grace is when you get something that you did not deserve. That's grace. So when you get something you didn't deserve, you didn't do anything to earn that, but you got it. That's grace. That's what God has given us. Here's where we have a hole in our grace, though. We understand past grace. We understand that Jesus, in his love and kindness, has given us forgiveness. Something that we totally, I, I did not deserve forgiveness for my messed up past and the sin that I committed, but Jesus has given me that grace. He has given me grace that has covered my entire past. And then, when we think about grace, we go, okay, my past is taken care of, and then my future is taken care of. So, Jesus has given me future grace in the reality that there is a doorframe in heaven with my name on it. Because of what Jesus did and the fact that he forgave me of my sins, I now have a place in eternity with my creator, Father God, because of what my big brother Jesus did on a cross by shedding his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. I have a place in heaven. And so we get 
I've got this past, you know, this past grace covering up the whole past. I've got this future grace out there to look forward to. But what we miss out on is the present grace right there in the moment. This grace that walks us through those moments where you're getting up for the third time to feed the newborn who refuses to sleep. There is present grace available when the three-year-old barfs in the car seat in the middle of traffic. There's grace available for those moments. There's grace available when the teenager, as she slams the door, screams, I hate you, mom. There's grace available even for those moments. When we feel like we're at our darkest, our lowest points of parenting, where we turn around and we walk down the hall knowing that we blew it again. There's grace. There's present grace in those moments. Because here's the deal. Think about it like this. How bad of a father would God be to say, I'm going to do something as miraculous as saving and redeeming your past and your sin? Now, just take a second. Some of you guys have been saved for a long time, so try not to think about that. But think about what it would have been like, okay? And all the things you were doing. He saved and redeemed all of that, and he said, I'm giving you this place in heaven. How jacked up of a father would he be to say, I'm going to do these two amazing things for you that you're not going to ever be able to experience in the moment? That's not his grace. His grace is sufficient, and it is right now, and it is available to you. All these things that you don't deserve, like the patience to handle a toddler who is asking you for the 45th time, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like the patience to be able to, after a long, exhausting day of physical work, to be able to close the door to the truck and get out of the car and say, Jesus, I need your strength to go another round with these kids. I need your, I don't deserve the energy that I believe you can give me as I walk into this house to start the most important part of my day, but I'm praying that you give me the grace of that energy and that effort to not turn on ESPN, to not open my phone, to, to actually engage with these kids. Would you give me that grace in this moment? And he does. I felt it. So I want to walk you through three things, three things that God grace gives us. If you're taking notes, this is where we, uh, we start writing down. This is where we start writing down. This is what God's grace gives us. God's grace, it helps you see the true you. The true you. The real you. Like the actual you. It helps you see that person. Now, oftentimes when I have buddies of mine, whether it's guys I've mentored in ministry or whatever, and they're getting ready to have kids, they'll come up to me and ask me, Trent, like, I feel like you're a pretty good dad. Give me some fathering advice. And I always take them to this verse, Luke 9.23. Luke 9.23 says this. Then he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple, okay, this is Jesus talking. Jesus saying, if you want to be my disciple, not just someone who votes Christian, not just someone who comes to church on Sunday, not just someone who kind of checks it out, and if somebody pushes them and says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but actually a disciple, someone who makes other disciples. If you want to be my disciple, you must deny, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I said, buddy, you know, to these guys, there is nothing and I mean nothing that will teach you how to deny yourself like being a good dad. There's nothing. And to the women out there, there is, you know this. You know this better than us guys do. That you, you, you give birth to a child, and it is physically, your flesh is pained 
Like we're just in the room terrified. You are literally going through pain and you are never the same as this happens. To, to be at a place where you're holding a baby that's falling asleep on your chest and you're going, well, I guess I'm not going to pee for the next hour and a half because I don't want to upset the sleep cycle and not be able to sleep myself for the next, you know, four or five nights. So I'm just going to hold this thing. There is nothing, parents, am I right, that will make you die to your selfishness like having kids. To realize the fact that you are in dire need of being humbled. Of coming to this reality that you are in desperate need for God to come through. One of the big realities that I've had to grasp in this is that I am more like my kids than unlike my kids. And what I mean by that is I am more in need of God's grace for me than I realize. And one of the things for you as parents I want you to understand is your kids have this horrible propensity. And this is, parents, I need you to lean in here and not miss this because some of you don't realize this yet. And, And the world is so pretty and distracting that you miss out on this. But your kids right now, regardless of how old they are, Your kids have this unimaginable propensity to grow up in a world that looks like ours does, to see the things that we see, and to not believe in God and to recognize him as the Lord and Savior. It happens all the time. Kids have the ability to sit in church services just like this and then get into college and have no recollection and not recognize that there is a God who loves them and a Savior who died on a cross for them. That's why I encourage you, do not just focus on getting your kids into church. Get your kids into Christ. And that's the role of the parent. Because you're the primary vessel through which his grace flows. And so for us as parents, if we in the midst of our mistakes and failures, we have this guilt. What guilt does, if you're supposed to be the vessel through which your grace flows, or God's grace flows out to your children, There is nothing that will clog the vessel through which his grace should flow like your guilt. Because here's the deal. If you believe, I am just, you know, I I don't measure up to the moms down the road. Or I I, I don't have the ability to put lunches together like that. And I don't have the ability to like in the midst of parenting still be a good wife. And I don't have the ability to do anything other than just provide and pay the bills. Like I'd love to be there. I'd love to have fun. I'd love to play. I'd love to, you know, coach the team. But I just don't have that time. If the guilt is so overwhelming that God's grace isn't able to come to you in the midst of that, then what that means, parents, is you as the primary vessel through which God's grace is supposed to flow, they will miss out on receiving it. So my point in this is the parents who are the best at receiving God's grace are the best ones at transferring it on. And so don't let guilt get in the way of that. The next thing that God's grace does is God's grace rescues you from you. How many times have you guys maybe ever, and, and let's just have a moment of honesty and transparency here. How many times have you ever like gone to the bathroom for 10 minutes and it wasn't so because you need to go to the bathroom for 10 minutes. You just need like 10 minutes of sanity. Anybody? Okay. All the, all the stay at home moms are like, yes, Lord. Yes. <laughs> Where's Jessica? Yeah. Oh, oh, she's in the bathroom. Okay. That's that. <laughs> happens at our house. We, knew, we just know. Leave mommy alone. She's going to her happy place. <laughs> Here's the deal. 
Parenting is tough, man, and there are definitely times where we want to get away from these kids. But the reality, guys, is you don't so much need to be rescued from your kids as you need to be rescued from you. Let me explain it to you like this. Here's a bottle. Okay, so we'll take the lid off. Say that in here it is not water, okay? Say this is hydrochloric acid. And for those of you who have never watched Breaking Bad, hydrochloric acid will eat all the way through your skin and tear it all apart. As soon as it touches the skin, it's done. It's going to eat through it. Hydrochloric acid. Say for some reason, I come home from work with a bottle full of hydrochloric acid all the way to the very top. And I decide to come home, and I'm just carrying my bottle of hydrochloric acid, and I walk in the door. Unbeknownst to me, my two boys are chasing each other like wild banshees around the house, screaming at terribly high pitches, and I have no idea. And their mom is yelling at them to stop, 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 stop. But they're just running and screaming through the house. Does this sound like anybody else's reality? Um, But I come in the door with hydrochloric acid to the brim in a cup like this. And as I open the door, the oldest bumps into me. And causes me to drop and spill hydrochloric acid all over him and his brother. And it begins to burn their skin. Now, whose fault is it? How did it get spilled? Is it their fault for bumping into me? Or is it my fault for bringing home a full to the brim bottle of hydrochloric acid into my home? I'll ask it a different way. How hard would it be to get anything but hydrochloric acid out of the cup? Like if they bumped into me, how much water would spill on them? Or say I filled this up all the way with water and I came home and they bump into me and water spills on them. How possible is it for them to get any hydrochloric acid on them if my cup is full of water? It's impossible. And and the point I'm trying to make in here is this. Is your kids' sins, mistakes, annoyingness, stubbornness, loud back-talking attitudes, ignorance, apathy towards the things that you tell them to do, those things aren't things that you need to be rescued from. The things that you need to be rescued from are the ways that you would respond to those things. And the way you respond to those things is based off of what you are filling yourself up with. And that's where we have a choice, mom and dad. That's where we have a choice, grandma and grandpa. That's where we have a choice. If we're going to disciple people, we have a choice of what we will be filled with. Because here's the deal. And you know this. If you're a parent they are going to bump into you. They are going to rock the cup. It's like God created them to do that. You know why? Because God created them to do that. The only way that you recognize what's coming out of you is if it comes out of you. And you see how poisonous it is. And you see what needs to change. 
and you recognize where your deficiencies are so that you go, God, I don't want those words to come out of me when I get cut off in traffic. I don't want my son to see me doing that. I don't want them to, to when they close their eyes and they think about mom, for it to just be this rah, face. I don't want that to be the reality that they experience. I want something different. And what God does in his loving grace is he says, you could never rescue you from you. Me and my son and the Holy Spirit are the only things that can rescue you from you. That's why I love what, um, in, in the Proverbs, it talks about this. Proverbs 4.23. This is why the writer of the Proverbs, who was a father, Solomon, writing, he wrote it to inspire and encourage his sons. He says this, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from this. What this means, guys, is that my biggest ongoing problem as a dad is not my kids. It's me. It's me. And God is the only one who can rescue me from me. He is the only one capable of changing an addiction that you have. He is the only one of changing the shame. He is the only one capable of filling you back up with the energy. He is the only one. Look, some of you are like me, and you grew up in a house where it was just like pirate time, and it wasn't Jake and the Neverland pirates. It was like cussing like pirates all the time. And that's just what you experienced. And so it's really hard when something like steps on your toe or whatever and to just not say the S word because that's just like what's under the surface. The only thing that can rescue you from that is the grace of God. So we need rescue from ourselves. The last thing that God's grace does in our life is God's grace turns weakness into strength. Turns weakness into strength. And this is where, church, we, we get this opportunity to actually be honest. To be honest, man, and I don't know about you, but as a parent, and maybe it's just our culture and our society, but is there anybody like me who, just, like, you get tired of faking it and pretending like you just got it all together, especially from the parenting side, because those little rascals reflect you? As a pastor, man, I'm, I mean, you, those of you who have been in ministry or stuff, you know that that's even like a whole different ballgame. It's tough. Here's what I've, I've come to grips with, and it's helped me as a pastor and a, and a dad and a husband, and I think it can help with you, you, you as well. Um, God's not asking you to be anything you're not. Let me say that again. God is not asking you to be anything you're not. He's actually asking you to do the exact opposite. He's asking you to be exactly what you are. And be honest with that. And be open with that. And on, here's the deal too. Like once you be open with him with that, is being okay with anybody else knowing anything else about your strategy as a parent, about what you do or how you fail as a parent. It's okay with anything about your parenting style being exposed because newsflash, everything that could be exposed or uncovered about your parenting style has already been covered by the blood of Christ. That's some good news. All right? And so for us... I think there's some encouragement in what Paul wrote. Paul wrote to this church in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 9 and 10. He said this, and talking about uh, something that he had experienced and some pain that he had felt and, and how he had walked through some weakness. He said this. But he said to me, and the he in this verse is Jesus. Jesus talking to Paul, and Paul's quoting what Jesus said to him. But he said to me, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecution and difficulty. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A little bit of backstory on this 
Paul got this crazy vision of what heaven was going to be like. And God, in effort to keep him humble and keep his feet on the ground, actually gave him a thorn in the flesh. And Paul asked for that thorn to be removed three times, but God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now, hear me on this. I had to say this last service. They got a kick out of this. Maybe you will as well. I am not saying your children are thorns in your flesh, okay? I know sometimes it feels like that, though. What I think is more of the thorn in our flesh in regards to parenting is the guilt. Is a shame that we, we say, God, would you just take the guilt away? God, I, I don't want to feel like this in regards to my kid. I, I want things to be different. Would you just take this away? And, and God, I feel so inefficient. I, I can't walk them through puberty. I can't walk them through a college choice. I can't navigate them through learning disabilities and then this illness and these random you know, allergies that they have. God, I can't do this. This is a soul that's going to spend an eternity in heaven or hell, and you're placing some of the responsibility here on my shoulders. God, I am incapable of doing this. My prayer for you is that you would realize that that is 100% true. And that in your inefficiency, you would come to a God whose grace is sufficient. Who has an unlimited supply of exactly everything you need in the midst of your mommy guilt, in the midst of your father guilt, in the midst of you dealing with the shame and, and the struggles of how a parent has hurt you in your past. God has everything that you need in those moments. And I want you to know this. God sees your inabilities. He knows them. And a big part of his grand plan for your kids and for you would be showing you his strength through those inabilities. I want you to know this. Your inabilities are not something that hinders God's will from being done in your life. Your inability... It's not something that God is going, oh, I can't use them, and I, you know, I, we're just going to have to try to make sure that kid has some other people who are better in their life. God would say, your inability is not in the way of God's plan. It is actually a part of God's plan. It's right there in the middle of it. It's part of the plan. And so come to him, be honest, be real, and admit where there's a hole in the grace that you need him to fill. Because here's the deal. God calls unable people like me and you to do something incredibly important, like be ambassadors of his grace and love and mercy to our children. He calls unable people like me and you to do that so that he will get the glory. That's why he does it. And he calls us to impossible so that in our search for help, we would find even more than help, we would find him. And I think that there are some of you who don't just need help today in parenting. That's maybe what you feel like. That's maybe the stress you feel. But brothers, sisters, friends watching online, you don't just need help. You need him. He wants to be your help in these moments. As we get ready to celebrate communion together as a church, there is no greater display of that verse being true. I'm going to read it again. Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when you are weak, friend, for when you are weak, you are strong. You are strong. And it's not your strength, but it's his in you. And that's what communion is all about. 
If you haven't had a chance to grab communion in the back, you can head to that table right there and grab that. For those of you watching online, this is time where you can participate in communion as well. I want you to know this. It has Jesus hung on a cross. That wasn't a moment that looked really powerful. That wasn't a moment that looked really strong in the eyes of everyone who was looking on. But in that moment, as the Son of God is hung from the east to the west in front of a world who put him there, that was strength at its fullest. That is God showing us that if he can make this incredibly brutal moment be one that he to the rest of the world looks on and goes, that is weakness on display. If that type of God can raise Jesus from the grave, then that resurrection power can bring strength out of your weakness as well. And as you take communion today, my prayer is that you know that he's here, he's with you, he's not going anywhere, he's not upset about you, he's not mad at you, but he wants to work through you. He wants you to move from guilt-based parenting into grace-based parenting. And as you commune with him today, I pray that you let him fill in where that needs to happen. Jesus, we love you. As we get ready to, to taste of your broken body and your poured out blood, pray that we know that you did it to make us a part of your family. And God, for the parents in the room who are so wrapped up and consumed with being parent that they forgot that they're your child, I pray that you would remind them of that today. That it's okay for them to feel small again to feel dependent again, to need you. Pray that you would open up the vessels of their life for your grace to flow down to them and through them to the kids in their life, to the adults in their life, so that things look different. In your name.